Why don't you turn your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. We have been in a series called Wisdom for Dummies. It is the book of Proverbs. How many have enjoyed it so far? Amen. Got we have, we're, we've got three messages starting today, be the third message. And what it is, is Proverbs is how we acquire and then apply God's wisdom, using that wisdom for decisions and for our activities every day of our life. So it's not just Sunday, it's God, how do I take your word, not just Proverbs, but the word. I acquire it, but then I apply it to the decisions I make and the activities that I carry throughout the day. How do I do that? And Proverbs is specifically that. And we call this wisdom for dummies, but how many know there are just some folks that just do some things that you just gotta say, you're a dummy. If you haven't ever seen, listen, you're just not on social media enough and uh, I think here's some real dummies that could use some wisdom right here. help, couldn't they? Amen. I want you to go to our verse of scripture that is our overarching scripture for this series, and I want you to read it out loud with me. It's going to be up on the screens. Those of you at home, I want you to read it out loud right where you are. Proverbs 1-7. Let's begin. You ready? Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Wisdom and discipline. So let me just take y'all real quick where we've been. The first message, remember, we had to talk about how, how does it all start? If I really want wisdom and I want true knowledge, where do I start? You cannot have any of that until you first understand the fear of the Lord. And if you haven't listened to the series, you need to understand God is not up there wanting you to be afraid of him. But there's the best description of the fear of the Lord I can give you is this. The fear of the Lord is my reverent awe of God's holiness and love whereby I surrender every area of my life. Now, when I talk about the holiness of God, God cannot have sin in his presence. And we all know the scripture, the wages of sin is what? So there is judgment for those who reject God. There is judgment. I know there's a lot of Christians in America that say they love God, but I'm gonna tell you what they're missing. They love God and then carry on their lives as if there is no God. So when people tell me they love God, that's just not enough for me, and it's not enough for my life. You cannot just have the love of God. You must also have the fear of God. Too many American Christians have the love of God, but they lack no fear of God. He is a God that will judge sin, period. You say, well, who can stand in front of him? All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is where I understand the love of God, that God knew that in order for us to be in his presence, and there could be no sins, 
he was the only one holy enough to put on skin, come into earth, live a sinless life, and let sinners crucify him. Only by that shed blood, his love reaches out to them that if they accept that blood, they have forgiveness to enter into the presence of holy God. That's why you and I are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. So guess who they see? They don't see Reverend Sam Reifkogel. I don't want God to see Reverend Sam Reifkogel and say, hey, you want to see my tithing record? I went to church. Hey, listen, I, I gave turkeys to the poor. I, I feed the hungry. I did a well in Africa. Let me in, God. I don't want him to see that because that doesn't give me entrance. The only thing that gives me entrances is I must be pure and holy before God. So guess what God did? He gave me Jesus. He gave you Jesus. And so now all God sees is he doesn't see Sam Reifkogel. All he sees is his sinless, holy son who shed his blood. And that's what he sees when he sees Sam. He sees Jesus Christ, the holy, pure lamb of God. How many of you thank God for that love? Amen. That is powerful love. So in my response to that love, guess what I do? I say, wait a minute, if he loves me this much, then I need to surrender every area and every issue of my life. That is the awe and the respect of the fear of God that I know I can enter his presence, but I know it's through his love and what he did. So I want to apply every area of my life, every bit of it, every bit of it, my thought life, my relational life, Every part of it, my marriage life, my sex life, my money life, everything I give to him. I want to know his opinion of the Father on what Sam Reifkogel does. But you know what keeps people from that? You know what even gives good church people from that? It's called pride. And what do we call pride? Pride is the root of every sin in your life and my life. Every sin that Sam Reifkogel commits is directly related to his pride. Now, what is pride? It's basically this. It's where Sam Reifkogel puts himself in the wrong place and puts God in the wrong place. It's where Sam Reifkogel becomes number one on this decision and God becomes number two. I may consult him if I need him. I'll wait till there's a tragedy on my life and then I'll consult him. I'll wait till I need peace and I'll quote the 23rd Psalm. He says, no, Sam, I want you on the mountaintops. I want to be with you in the valleys. I want you to put me number one. And that's what pride is. It's two things in the wrong place. That person's in the wrong place, and God is in the wrong place. But when I put God in the right place and put Sam Reifkogel in the right place, guess what happens? Then I receive true wisdom and true knowledge of God because he's in the right place and I'm in the right place. How many want the wisdom of God? So today, I'm going to talk about wisdom. Good day to show up. Amen. How many know we have a lot of knowledge and a lot of information out there? I mean, you can OD on information. I mean, I'm just telling you, just Google it, it's there. OD on information. We have a lot of knowledge. And y'all know the difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is actually a fruit. Wisdom is not putting in the fruit salad, right? And philosophy is wondering if ketchup is a smoothie, okay? That's what that is, all right? little help there. So today we're going to talk about wisdom. Now, when you go through the book of Proverbs, I hope that y'all have been doing this just this month. Every day, take a proverb for the day, okay? So whatever date it is, today's 18th, read Proverbs 18. Tomorrow, read Proverbs 19. 
But I want you to notice something that just sticks out. It is so glaring. It is so obvious, especially on this day. There are two words that stick out so profoundly in the book of Proverbs. And you know what those two words are? My son, my son, my son. I just, let's just look in Proverbs chapter one. Listen, Proverbs one, verse eight. Listen, my son. And every time I see the word my son, whenever you're reading the book of Proverbs, ladies, men do this. Take out the my son or child and put your name in. Sam, 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 put your name in. It's so much more powerful when you start realizing how personal it is. He says, my son, take your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. You know, he said that twice. He said it again in Proverbs 6.20. Look at verse 10. My son, if sinful men or women entice you, don't give in to them. Just don't give in to them. Look at verse 15. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths. He said, don't even follow them. Don't, get out, get away from them. Don't set their foot on their path. And you look this over and over and over, so much so that in the book of Proverbs, my son, those two words are used 23 times throughout Proverbs. And then four times he says, my child. So that's 27 times you have this father speaking to his children. So here's what Proverbs and the word of God really is. It is the father speaking to us. And a lot of us have earthly fathers that have spoken. And as Pastor Kerry prayed, sometimes some of those fathers, what they did and how they behaved was tainted by sin. And you say, I don't want nothing like my father. In fact, you're basing the, the image of the God, the father, based on the way your daddy was. Well, how many thank God he gives us a new model and the right model through Jesus Christ, our father. Amen. Look what he's saying. So this is the father, when you see it, even though it's my son, and I know this father, it is the father talking to you and me. So when you read the scripture, sometimes I like to just put my name right in there because I want him to speak to Sam Reifkogel. And this is the greatest thing you can give your kids is to give them godly wisdom, to watch you make godly, wise decisions. And listen, I know a lot of you are working really hard to give your kids money. I think that's a really great deal, but that's all you're working on is making sure they got money. I promise you, you can give them all the money you want. I promise you, they're going to blow it and they're going to spend it. You, well, we got to make sure you got to keep the property in the family so they get the property. It's nice you can give them the family property, but listen, they will probably end up selling it. Well, but I got, a, I got this nice car and I wanted to go. Yeah, I got it. I got this nice thing that I got, this gold watch. I want to go. I get it. Trinkets and toys. I promise you, you can give them to them somewhere along the line. They'll either lose it, they'll break it, or they'll sell it and on Facebook Marketplace, <laughs> Okay. But when you leave godly wisdom to your sons and your daughters, dads especially, if you can leave godly, I know we're not perfect guys, I get it. Ladies, I know we're not perfect women. Men, we're not perfect men. But if we can strive to walk with the Father and put, keep putting him first and you second, you will leave a legacy of something that is eternal. And that's why Proverbs 4, 7 says this, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. If I put it in the Rife Google translation, I said, don't be stupid. <laughs> Getting wisdom is the wisest thing that Sam Rife Google can do. And whatever else you do, whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Do you know you cannot make good judgment until you get right wisdom? So once you get right wisdom from God, guess what happens? You'll start making good decisions 
in your daily activities and your daily decisions. He says, so if you want to give your kids something, moms, dads, listen, give your kids the ability to make godly decisions by watching your godly decisions. Can somebody say amen? And you might even get blessed out of it. You're going to go, hey, my kid actually got it. They may make a wise decision. You'll get blessed by it. In fact, I'm wearing one of those blessings today. This is a, this is a, I know you may not like the tie. I noticed some of you may notice it's real wrinkled. It's frayed. It's got a gravy stain on it. I don't know what it is, but there's a stain on it. It should have probably should have given it away during COVID, but I wouldn't give it away because this Sarah bought me this tie 23 years ago. She was six years old, six years old. And she wanted to get dad something for father's day. And she went across the street because the neighbor was having a garage sale. And she saw this tie with frayed and gravy stains on it. And she wanted to bless dad with a tie. And she came back and borrowed 50 cents from me to buy it. And that's pretty much the way Sarah and I always operated. I'd give it to her and she'd give it back to me. That's kind of the way it worked. There's special things that you'll remember about your kids. The wise decisions. So mom and dad in a culture that is wheels off with more information and OD'd on it, but actually going nowhere. Can I tell you, make godly, wise decisions by placing yourself in the presence of the one who is the wisest of all. And I promise you, you'll start making good judgments. You will. In business, in relationships, you'll start making great decisions and seeing the favor of God. How many want more wisdom? Amen? How many want your family, how many want your kids to get wisdom? Amen? Okay, I want to give you two things. Here we go. Real quick, two things. Here's the first thing that you can do, and it's out of Proverbs. This is wisdom for you and me. First of all, you need to learn to associate with the wise. Associate with smart people. Associate with people who know what they're talking about. I like what Proverbs 13, 20 says. Here's what he says. He says, walk with wise and become what? Wow. I know there are people in the church that you say they didn't believe in impartation and laying on the hands. Big theologians say, I just don't believe in that impartation and laying on hands. I started believing in impartation. You know when I started believing in impartation? When my five-year-old would go to the neighbor kid and all of a sudden start behaving like the neighbor kid, they didn't act that way when they left the house. But when they came back from the house, they were behaving just like that kid. How many know I believe in impartation? And this scripture says, walk with the wise and you what? Become wise. Now let's finish the rest of the promise of God's word. Associate with fools and get in trouble. That is a promise from God. Associate Align with someone that is making decisions contrary to the word of God, and it says you'll get in trouble. In fact, I like what the NIV says. It means you suffer harm. Now, what does that mean? That means you can be a godly, loving person, but you will not allow God to help you when it comes to who influences you in relationships. And here's what happens in that, in that realm. I'm going to show you what happens. Because I love God, but there were people in my life, my journey life, that I associated with that were not good for me, and some of them spoke in tongues. So just because they speak in tongues and wear Jesus does not qualify them to be associated with me. I'll love them, but you cannot influence me. It's very quiet in here. Amen. 
Now, let me show you what that means. That means that sometimes their decision, because of my association, I felt the residual of their mistakes. I got impacted, it, impacted, and I wasn't the one disobeying God. But I got affected by the shrapnel of the grenades they were throwing. I got hit by the shrapnel. Some of you are here right now. Just because of your association, now you don't have a retirement because you associated with someone in finances that did not follow God. Or even someone that loved God but didn't apply the finances to their integrity in the things of God with their finances. How many understand what I'm talking about? So God is saying here, he says, you need to associate with wise people. Hang with a fool and you're going to feel the residual of their poor mistakes. How are we doing, everybody? Amen? So let's go in the scripture because the Bible shows us, even in Proverbs, those kinds of people. So let's identify those people that we got to watch and decide who is going to influence our lives. And there are four kinds of people in the book of Proverbs. You ready for this? The first one is the one I've said. It says the wise people. Wise. Wise people. Now, what do I mean by wise? Does that mean that they have white hair flowing, long beard, look like a man with wisdom? You know, does, does it, they look intellectual? The word wise here doesn't mean that they're perfect. Doesn't mean they're perfect believers. Okay? It doesn't even mean they're intellectual. That doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that you know this is a person, even when they have made mistakes, what you do find in them, even out of their mistakes, they are leaning back into God's wisdom and back into God's correction and into relationship with God. That means wise people are people who keep leaning into God in every area, mountains, valleys, I'm going to go back to God. I'm going to do what he says. This is what Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 says. Look at this. Here we go. This is a wise person. My child, listen to what I say and treasure, treasure my word, treasure my commands. Then look what he says. He says, tune your ears. Say those three words with me. Tune your ears. That means there's a lot of static that is out there right now. I'm telling you, even as a pastor, I have to keep tuning my ears back to what God's word says, back to the Holy Spirit, back to relationship, because there's a lot of things out there that is so much static, you have a distorted view of who God is and what his intention is for you. He says, so tune your ears to what? Wisdom. Concentrate, listen, concentrate on understanding. And what does he say? When you start deciding who you're going to put wise people in your life, here's what happens. He says, you become wise. Now notice what that means. That means becoming wise is a process, but I got to do it by hanging out with the right kind of people because I always produce what I pursue. I promise you. So the Bible first talks about wise people, but then it talks about the fool. Now what is a fool? Okay. What is a fool? A fool is not a person who is ignorant. They might even be very intellectual. They might even have a PhD. I don't know what they are, but does not mean that they could be intellectual. Here's the deal. They're not ignorant and they're not uneducated, but here's what a fool is. It is a person that has heard the word of God, knows the word of God, but rejects God and his wisdom and says, I don't want it. I don't want it in my money. I don't want it in my relationships. I don't want it in my business decisions. I don't want it. I'm going to do what I want. That is a fool. My mama told me, don't call anybody a fool, but you got to know how to identify it. And it's the person that knows it, 
They can be intellectual. They're not ignorant. They're not educated. They just reject what God says. And here's what the word says. Proverbs 1, 7 says, fools despise wisdom and discipline. They despise it. They don't want it. They know it. They just don't want it. That is a fool. And then you find Proverbs saying, here's what the fool will turn into. They'll start turning into a mocker. Now, this is where we are in the culture. You have people that will actually mock you. You can give them wisdom. You can tell them the obvious, but they will mock you. They'll ridicule you even when you do it in the voice of genuinely caring for them. You're going, I'm trying to care for you. I'm doing this because I love you. But even if you're trying to care for them or you're trying to correct them, they will mock you for it. And that's a reality of life. Proverbs 9, 7 says, here's what you do with a mocker. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you, but correct the wise and they will love you. Can I tell you, friends, that in this time, we have a lot of believers wanting to get in debate with a lot of peoples, and I, I understand it's okay to debate. It's okay to have a civil debate, but I'm going to tell you there are some times you got to identify when you have a scoffer and a mocker on your hands. Can I save you some time and anxiety and anger and bitterness? When you identify a mocker that does nothing, they know the word, they mock you, make fun of you because of your stand. You might have it on the job. You might be an instructor at a university or school. You might have a, a fellow student sitting in your class. You might have family members that mock you and say, oh, now you got Jesus. And, all. and listen, don't chime in with them. You don't have to rebuttal them. I'm telling you, just don't waste your time with a mocker and a scoffer. Just move on and live for Jesus Christ. A lot of information here, right? So we have, we have the wise and we have the fool, we have the mocker. But then the Bible describes one that is the simpleton. Look what Proverbs 14, 15 says. Only simpletons believe everything they're told. The prudent carefully consider their steps. Now, if God tells you to associate with the wise, you've got to identify fools, mockers, and simpletons. What are simpletons? Simpletons are not unreligious people. And they are not even immoral people, at least not yet. They are simply naive. Sometimes it's cloaked with believers that are simply, well, I just want to love everybody. This is not about not loving everybody. It's about understanding true wisdom and knowledge and not fearing man because you might be mocked or you choose to walk a certain way before the Lord as a husband, as a dad, as a father, as a mother, as a student, as a teenager. Look what he says, though. He says this is a person that's naive and simply will not mature. That's what a simpleton is. It's like a child that always wants to be a child. Now, we love these babies because they're babies, right? Cute, cute, cute. We love our grandson, Sage. We love that young man. And you know what? Right now, man. When it's time to change his diaper, I got to put a hazmat suit on. Okay? I don't punish him. I don't even say to him, why can't you grow up? Because he's a baby. But if he's 15, 
time for a come to Jesus. What's happening here is lack of maturity. And this is where Paul says, as believers, you got to keep becoming wise. Some of you may have just gotten saved today or coming to Jesus today. You got to start becoming wise, becoming wise and start knowing what am I going to associate with? Because here's what Paul says to, in first Corinthians to those believers that were in that spirit filled church, talking in tongues, doing everything else. And he's has to bring correction to these believers. And look what he says to these Christians. He says in first Corinthians three, two, he says, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. How do we know this? For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You're not growing up in wisdom. He says, but you hang around the wise, you'll become wise. Hang around. Friends, I'm telling you, that's really easy for believers to start following the culture, and it's totally contrary to the Word of God. Why? Because they're not even studying the Word of God. Or they're in the house of God, and they get caught up in unsound doctrines and teachings by false teachers, and they don't even, it's way off track from the Word of God. Why? Because they're not giving themselves to hungering and thirsting after the Word of God. He says it's time, and that's what we have. We have people been in church a long time but still have not matured, still bitter, still angry, not growing in the Lord, still not involved, not even helping in the body of Christ. He said, I wanted to give you milk. You should be growing up by now. And I understand babies. I love having babies in the house of God, but I can't, it can't be babies all the time because sometimes with some believers, I get tired of parting their mustache to stick the bottle in. <laughs> Selah. <laughs> Associate with the wise. Why is this so important? Listen, here's the reason why. To be effective in life, you must be selective about who influences your life. Why is this so important to me? Because it deals with my effectiveness of the calling of God on my life. Because we become like those who influence us. Even in the body of Christ, if you're around a critical believer all the time, you're going to be a critical believer. If they're finding something wrong with the church all the time, you're going to find something always wrong with the church all the time. I promise you. I don't care if you speak in tongues or not. They're always gossiping. You're going to be a gossip. Always doubting. You're going to be a doubter. You are affected by who you select. Select the right people. It's interesting instruction from God. When Israel was getting ready to occupy the promised land, Pastor Kerry referred to that as he was speaking today, he, uh, uh, going into the promised land, and he talked to them about when they would have to confront and fight hostile enemies against them. And here was instruction from God, Deuteronomy 20, verse 8. Look at this, very interesting. He says, if anyone here, if any, anyone here afraid or worried, is there anyone here afraid or worried? If you are, you may go home before you frighten everyone else. Because God understood that the association starts feeding into your spirit and you start becoming by what you hang around and continually associate with. I like what Paul also said in 1 Corinthians 15.33. I'm, I'm going I'm to uh, read it from a different, uh, different uh, version. But it says this. He says, don't fool yourselves. Bad friends will destroy you. In the Living Bible, a contemporary language, 1 Corinthians 15.33, he says this. If you listen to them, you will start acting like them. And so you know who I follow as my model for this association-wise? Jesus Christ. 
And have you ever noticed who he chose to hang out with? Hang out with. And it was even interesting that even the teacher of the law said, "How dare you sit with them sinners, those tax collectors, those prostitutes, and you're sitting there talking with them?" Well, he wasn't sitting there to condone their lifestyle. He was there to influence them and call them to repentance to receive what he had. He wasn't trying to tell them, "I'm condoning." He says, "I'm here to help you." He was the influencer. And yet they, they, they condemned him for it. And when you see Jesus, he spends his time with two kinds of people, and it's the two kinds of people I'm going to spend my time with. You want to know what they are? People that received his ministry and those that ministered to him. They received his ministry, and they were pouring back into him. The rest of them, he called them for what they were, and he would not associate with them. Come on, friends. How about we hang around with people who receive our ministry? They may not even be believers, but they're receiving our ministry and people who minister back to us. Very important. So surround yourself with wise people who will build you up. So that's the reason why I tell people, these small groups that are just now started this Wednesday, get around some people that will build you up in small groups. I mean, take your Wednesday and invest in yourself because you believe in yourself. You believe in your spiritual growth. You want to be wise. Get in one of these classes of small groups Maybe, maybe some of you are dealing with addictions or hang-ups, ha habits and hurts, and you say, I don't understand. I can't seem to break this thing in my life. Celebrate Recovery meets every Tuesday over at the Life Center, right next door. Just show up Tuesday. Just pull up there and say, I want to be around people that will build me up. How many thank God we not only want to be around people that build us up, but how many think it's time that we start helping building up others? You have something to help build others. You got something to give away. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. That's why Ecclesiastes 4, 12, King Solomon even said, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Come on, how many of you believe if Satan attacks one of us, all of us ought to line up behind that person and say, we're coming after you, Satan, after you come. Come on, it's time for the body to build each other up. Hang with the wise. Thank you for being here on Sunday, dads. I'm proud of men who are in the house of God. We may not be perfect, but we're, we're reaching to the perfect one. Amen, guys? So first, associate with the wise. Say that with me. Associate with the wise. Here's the last one. You ready for this? Just ask God for wisdom. <laughs> Just make it your prayer request. I hate to always refer to this, but I feel still, I still live this way. I remember the first day that I was elected as pastor and I sat in that sofa in my office and looked at the auditorium at the side of the building. And all I could think is, what have I gotten myself into? I have never pastored in my life. How will I lead these people? I can't even get Brenda, Nathan, and Sarah to agree on the restaurant we go to. How am I going to lead these people? I'm serious. I still pray that. I didn't think I'd have anything to say past five Sundays because that's all the sermons I had. I'm not kidding you. And my prayer has been the prayer that Solomon prayed. I simply sat there and said, God, I don't know what to do you have to show me what to do. And here is Solomon. He's now king. He brings all of his leaders together. He offers a thousand, a thousand sacrifices that day. Everybody say a thousand. 
This is a big deal. Everybody say a thousand again. Cattle, goats, sheep, thousand. It was a bloody mess. It was a sacrifice, a burnt offering to God. Remember, a thousand. And then God appeared to him that night and said this in 2 Chronicles 1-7. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. God is saying, it's carte blanche, unlimited spending. What do you want, Solomon? You ask what you want, I'll give it to you. So he could ask for anything. Solomon didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for position. He didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask to conquer the world. He didn't ask for more power. Here's what Solomon said. He did the right thing. Second Chronicles 1.10, he says, give me the wisdom and knowledge to lead them, his, these people properly, for who could possibly govern this great people of yours? That's exactly what I prayed. Who, God, who can lead the amazing great people of yours at this church? I don't have a clue what to do. You've got to show me. And he's shown me, and he's put the right people around me. He's shown me. Then look at 2 Chronicles 1.11. God says, you've asked for the right thing, Solomon. He said, God said to Solomon, because, you're, because your great desire is to help your people, that's the first point. Was it to see, make sure that my name gets known? Is what Solomon said? Was it that I could amass more horses and chariots? He says, no, the reason you're asking out of this is you want to help the people. You want to help them. He says, if that's your desire, ask for it. Say, God, I need it. Not because I need the bill paid and I need to have my retirement taken. But God, I want to know what can I do to empower and help other people get closer to you and become what you have called them to be. Look at this. Look what he said. He says, because you asked that. You did not ask for wealth or riches or fame or even death over your enemies or a long life. You didn't ask for a long life. But rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people. I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested, but I will also give you wealth, riches, fame, such as no king has had before you or will ever have in the future. He said, buddy, you asked for the right thing and the things you didn't ask for, I'm going to give them because that's what follows wisdom is the favor of God. Wow. Can I tell you, don't reject the favor of God. Don't reject the wisdom of God. Don't act like a know-it-all. You know, it reminds me of the golfer, uh, Tom, Tommy Bolt. He, oh, he's back years, years back, Tommy Bolt. But, this, but one day he was, he, was, he, he's one of the, he was one of the greatest golfers, but he also was known for his vol, volcanic temper. He was just zero to 100, boom, just go crazy. Well, he was playing in a tournament in South California, Southern California, and the first day of his round, it was just horrible, horrible. And he told his caddy, don't say a word to me tomorrow. The next round. I don't want to hear nothing from it. I just don't want to hear a word. I don't know if he was blaming his caddy or whatever. So the next day, Bolt shot the first tee shot, landed it right behind a tree, mad, angry again. Looks over to his caddy, says, you think I should use a five iron? Caddy just looked at him, didn't say a word, stared at him. So Tommy Bolt got up behind him, hit the ball, and I mean, that ball went, landed right on the green. I mean, right on the green. He looked at his caddy and says, uh, what do you think about that shot? Caddy didn't look at him, just put the bag over his shoulder, and he said, that wasn't your ball. <laughs> when you reject good decisions, you will make bad shots in life. Let me tell you about that. Prior to him asking for wisdom from God, and I want wisdom and knowledge, and God said, I'll grant it to you, ask the right thing. He made a thousand 
sacrifice of a thousand animals showing God, my heart is a thousand times showing you how much I love you in this act of worship. But isn't it interesting that there was a one, one place where he would not let God's wisdom in, and it's when he went after pagan women and he went after and pursued Pharaoh's daughter. And guess what he ended up with? 700 wives, 300 concubines, a thousand women. In one area of his life, it seemed like every sacrifice was wiped out because one area, he said, I'm going to put me in first place, you in second place, because I'm smarter than you, God. I have come to the conclusion that Sam Reifgold is resigning of CEO of the universe, and I think God might be just a little brighter than me. And here's why Solomon would say this, and I want you to cry out for it. He said, cry out for wisdom. Beg for understanding. Go before God. Cry out for wisdom with your son. Cry out for wisdom with your business deal. Cry out for wisdom and beg God for understanding. Give me understanding, God. Show me the deeper things. Then he said, search for it like silver. Hunt for it like hidden treasure. Then you will understand respect for the Lord. And you will find that you know God. Only the Lord gives wisdom. He gives knowledge and understanding. And notice he said hidden treasure and silver. Why? Because silver is not just on the dirt for anybody who does not want to exercise any kind of desire for relationship just to pick it up off the dirt. He said it is something that you press into, that you're willing to dig for, that you can't see right now. You may not have understanding. I don't know why they're treating me this way. I don't know why I'm angry. I don't, I don't know why. I, I just don't know why I can't make a sound decision in business. But God says, would you cry out? Would you beg to me? and start digging into the relationship because I'm the one that will truly give you wisdom in this. And now I get what James 1.5 says. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you and he will not rebuke you for asking. How many are you ready just to ask him for the wisdom? And I've just made a decision. I will not go to the unknowing for knowledge. Don't go to the unknowing for knowledge. And you know what? Because you know what I found out when I go to the unknowing for knowledge, I discovered free advice has cost me the most. <laughs> and I'm going to go to God first, and those that associate with Him to pursue Him. You know, the last thing I figured out, Sam, don't be a know-it-all. Go to the one who knows it all. And young lady, he really knows you best. Sir, he really knows you best. How many believe, friends, he is true wisdom, true knowledge. Fear the Lord. Put him number one and watch true wisdom start coming through your life as you become wise in him. Woo! How many thankful for his word that makes us wise? Amen. Makes us wise.